because we now have the Cinema Judge! Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars out there, welcome back. Now, if you're new to the show, let me briefly, briefly tell you what we do here at the Cinema Judge. We give you the interviews, movie clips, all kinds of information that the studio sends us, and we give it to you to make up your own mind if you want to see the movie or not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, don't see this movie, you must see this movie. I might tell you if I like a movie, but I would never tell you not to see a movie, because any movie can be somebody's favorite movie. Now, when I first started this show, well over 20 years ago, first just as a cable access show, the first thing that came to my mind was, I could talk about blockbuster movies, all these top-notch movies that are coming out, that everybody's talking about. The more I did the show, the more I just loved those little nuggets that come out that might be forgotten by most, never even heard of by many, but those little cult classics that could be long-lasting long into the future. And this movie coming up might fall into that category for you. This movie might not be for everybody, and it clearly isn't, but it's unique and original. And that is what I love about these kind of stories. They don't come around all that often. Yes, there's a love story in here. There's science fiction. There's aliens. And it has a little invasion. But it's not the invasion that you think. They come here, these little alien things, like little hand things, are not much bigger than a box. They're flesh-colored with these paddle-like things for hands. And you're always wiping them together. But they offer the world like cures to disease, infection, and we think, wow, new technology? We're, this is this is outstanding. Why not do it? Well, when that happens, jobs are lost and everything like that, so mass poverty kicks in. But then, these two kids from high school figure out a plan. Because these aliens, they don't understand love at all. They don't They don't know anything about it. And their whole belief system about Earth is from the 1950s, doo-wop music and things like that. They watch old TV shows. So these two young kids think, hey, if we project our dates in the 1950s type manner, we'll get paid and we'll make money and we'll be rich. We'll help our families out. Well, then, of course, things start to turn sideways with their both of them having alternate feelings after a while. Things of that nature. Typical relationship stuff. And that's what this movie's about, how these two young kids try to help their family, but still try to keep their friendship going. And so much is going on in this movie, and I don't want to give too much away. But first, here's a trailer for Landscape with Invisible Hand. You know, you really captured his essence. Maybe his face could use a little more detail, though. It's like a photograph. I'm Adam. Chloe. Sure, you're not gonna make fun of me. Just Maybe show I'll... me. All right. Oh my god. This might be the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. You have 62 viewers and $300 total. They don't have love in their culture. They find romantic stuff super exotic and interesting. They pay, they watch you go on dates. 
family dinner is one of our most cherished human rituals. Do you have to do this right now, Chloe? You're not supposed to talk about the broadcast on the broadcast. Hey, would you keep that out of my line of sight? Why don't you keep your out of our line of sight? You didn't invent courtship broadcast, bitch. It has recently become obvious you are deceiving your viewers. What? Deceiving? The title of your broadcast is Adam and Chloe in love. And yet you are not in love. I want you to repay all funds you have received. Wait. We've already spent everything we made just to live. Then I will take you to court and your families will be in debt for approximately six generations. Do you want me to cut that for you? Where is the nearest restaurant? No part of my body can make that noise. It's it Well, it, it certainly won't if you don't try. We can get that love back. Romantic love is the most poetic of all human love modes. It should never be faked. I'm just like any other person. I want to grow up and fall in love and be swept off my feet. We've lost a lot since you guys came here. But we've overcome a lot, too. It's only a year. He just wants to be immersed in a human culture. By being your husband? My pretend husband. Do you have to have sex with it, or...? That is disgusting. It doesn't even have the equipment for that. Welcome home, son. Come give your father a hug. That thing is not my dad. None of us were prepared. Now we just have to adapt. With our technology, humans can enjoy a new era of prosperity. It's not real food. They print it. Do you want me to cut that for you? We would rather live in a cardboard box than be some gooey coffee tables bitch. Take the paddles down! Disrespecting me look around the world less of it seems like a place anyone would want to be at some point it starts being domination deep down in there they have hearts i know they do i literally think they don't have circulatory systems period <sighs> i don't know what to say to you landscape with invisible hand now first things first during that trailer you might hear a song that you might remember it's called do you realize by the flaming lips i love that song for whatever reason, it just crawls into me and just explodes. Because I have a very quick memory about that song. Many years ago, I remember working several jobs. I was tired as I'll get out. I could barely keep my eyes open. And you know when you go into a department store and they play music over the loudspeaker? Well, that stuff's usually on a loop. And me working in this apartment store type place, I knew the order of songs coming up. And I knew that song was coming up soon. But I was on the floor, I was working, but I'm like, oh man, I just want a little me time. And I knew it was going to come up, so I kind of like blended into the back corner. And every time that song came on, I just sat back and went, ah, because whatever it is about that song, again, brilliant. I just, I did, so I just had to throw that in for a little selfish quick story about me. But this movie is based on the novel by M.T. Anderson. And you're going to hear a little bit more from him coming up in a couple featurettes I'm going to play back-to-back. This also stars Asante Black, and you might know him from 
When You See Us, and This Is Us. It also stars Tiffany Haddish, who plays Beth, his mother. Now, she's this brilliant comedian. You know her probably from The After Party, Girls Trip, Like a Boss, just to name a few. And then we have Kylie Rogers, the other love interest in this film, who plays Chloe. She played young Beth. And if you ever watch Yellowstone, you might have seen her performance. She nails that role as young Beth. She captured everything about that character to a T. So I'm so glad she's getting more and more work. And she's also in the recent movie, Bo is Afraid. So it's a pretty good cast. Well, not good. It's a great cast. And up-and-comers, experienced actors, that's what makes these kind of movies special. It's not all known names, not that that's ever bad. It's just that there's well-known names and young up-and-comers. Now, that being said, I'm going to play two featurettes for you, just back-to-back. In these featurettes, you can hear from Tiffany Haddish, Asante Black, Kylie Rogers, and also the author, M.T. Anderson, and the director, Corey Finley. The first featurette deals with the story and everything that's going on there. The second featurette talks about the real-life artist that the director found to depict the young artist, Adam, because he's, he's an artist and he writes, he draws everything around him. And he had a certain image in his head of what the art looked like. That little feature talks about finding that artist. Landscape with Invisible Hand is the story of a young artist coming of age and falling in and out of love in a world that has been taken over by aliens. You're kidding me. Hey, park somewhere else! These aliens take over our economic system, which puts a lot of people out of work. This new alien empire is very fascinated by humanity itself. So the main export from Earth is love. They don't have love in their culture. They find romantic stuff super exotic and interesting. Chloe has the idea to broadcast their relationship to the aliens. Basically doing live streams of them, like, going on cute little dates. That's what I loved about this really sort of over-the-top science fiction metaphor. The only thing that humans can still sell is what makes them human. You have 62 viewers and $300 total. They put on these little nodes that project everything that they can see, smell, hear, touch. It has become obvious you are deceiving your viewers. What? Deceiving? I will take you to court, and your families will be in debt for approximately six generations. A lot of us had this feeling that there was just something off about the world. There was something alien about the world. Hi. We're part of this system that just feels so far away, so impenetrable, so confusing. I hope that people find in it a reflection of this moment that we're living through right now. You didn't invent courtship broadcast, bitch. Audiences can expect some laughs. Do you want me to cut that for you? Some tears. We've lost a lot since you guys came here. They can expect to be talking about it for a while. They can't expect to be like, oh, you know what this reminds me of? Today. One of the first things I wanted to do in pre-production was find a really great visual artist, a painter, because Adam's art is such a character in the story. And I was lucky to meet this amazing Atlanta-based artist named William Downs. Just instantly fell in love with his work. It has this incredibly distinctive, kind of loopy, strange, kind of disturbing, but comical, fascinating shapes. And his art instantly felt like what I saw as kind of the tone of the movie. 
it's kind of like this dreamy feeling. So it, it gives you that kind of creepiness. And I think a lot of the scenes in this movie kind of fit that tone. And one of the things we really tried to do was show the growth of Adam's character through the expansion of his art and the expansion of his artistic ambitions. And then as the movie progresses, by the end he's working on this kind of monumental mural. I'm bringing in different sections and I'm moving them around on the page so that when the director comes in, he'll have a choice of which mural looks the best. And in working with William Downs, we really tried to have the work go from something a little bit more kind of traditional and almost academic painting into something that really incorporated some of William's own unique, wonderfully bizarre style. Uh, and I think that really conveyed the sense of Adam's work not growing just in physical scale, but also growing in its individuality and the, the clarity of its voice. I wake up every night thinking about my work being in this film and I think it's gonna be really amazing. Now, before I go on with more interviews, I just want to inform you this. In those featurettes, they have little clips of interviews. Later on in the show, those little clips, I have the full interview of what they're talking about. Because in the featurettes, they just try to sometimes condense it just to get to the point. What we have here is, we give you a little you know, sneak peek at that. But then I'm going to give you a more in-depth thing of what they're talking about within that context. So don't think that, hey, buddy... Why are you so light, lazy putting out the same interview? It is, but it is, and it's just more involved. So coming up next, I'm going to play a couple interviews back-to-back because you're here for them, not to listen to me ramble on. And in these interviews, you are hear everybody just talk about pretty much the story from their point of view. First, we're going to hear from the author, M.T. Anderson, and then the director, Corey Finley. Then we go back to M.T. Anderson, and then we go to Asante Black, who plays Adam. I really wanted to capture the mood of the present. And I think what that is, is like we all spend our days trying to, to sell ourselves now in one way or another. We're trying to sell ourselves all the time. And yet also at the same time, we feel like the wealthy are, are floating above us, um, not even knowing what our lives are like. I think of the book as a, a, a science fiction satire. So Landscape with Invisible Hand is uh, the story of a young man uh, coming of age and falling in and out of love in a world that has been taken over by aliens. And the unusual thing about this alien invasion is that these are not big, scary, powerful aliens that have taken over the world by force. They're kind of weak, funny-looking, annoying bureaucrats that have taken over Earth through their economic power. So it's a story of kind of economic colonization or a free market alien invasion. Uh, and the humans trying to hold on to what makes them human in that world. So yeah, this is set in a world where uh, Earth has essentially become like a, uh, a financial backwater in an alien race's like giant galactic financial empire. So we're just sort of like here to have our resources extracted. And uh, yeah, so everyone is trying to deal with that. Yeah, so we're in 2031. Um, what has happened? Well... Aliens touched down <laughs> on Earth. Um, apparently, you know, they had been watching us for 50 plus years before they uh, made themselves known. Um, but yeah, they touched down and essentially what they tried to do was say, okay, I can or we can provide you guys with some resources and uh, 
in turn, you guys won't ever have to work a day in your life again because our machines are, you know, just automated. They kind of make uh, everything a lot easier. Um, and what ended up happening from that was, well, <laughs> you just got to see. <laughs> now, that was Asante Black, who plays Adam. Now, this kid or young man has an incredible future ahead of him. Just if you watch his work, you'll see what I'm saying. Without a doubt, I can't wait to see where he goes. And the director of this film knew that. And he says after he saw his stuff, he had to have him in his film. And then he talks a little bit, little bit about that, about getting together with him and dissecting the character. And he knew that he was a perfect one for the job. And then we go to Asante Black, and he talks about his character. And then we go to the author, M.T. Anderson, just talking briefly about the character, Adam. And then we go to the director again. And he talks about the opening scene. And he pretty much explains everything to you, so I don't have to try to do it awkwardly to you. But in a quick nutshell, Adam's out there in the backyard painting the sky with his sister. They're just talking about the mom getting a job. And then they got to do this angle of panning up to the sky. And you see this giant ship-type thing just float above him. And he's just like, oh, man, come on. And you hear people yelling in the background. It's, it's just funny. It's just... Not your typical alien invasion. I did some air quotes there, people. But that's what sets this one apart with the humor and drama and everything else involved. So I'd really wanted to work with Asante ever since seeing him in When They See Us, uh, which was kind of his breakout, Ava DuVernay's uh, limited series. Um, and he just broke my heart. It was so human and so subtle. Uh, and I had a meeting with him and talked about this character, talked about the world and just the way that he was relating to the character and kind of understanding the themes of the movie. Um, it felt like he would just be a perfect collaborator in telling the story. Uh, I love his just natural presence. I think he has such a magnetism on screen. And he has this wonderful ability to just, uh, as, as the character needs to do, to just kind of stand tall in this world where everything is crumbling around him. Um, he has this amazing kind of... Um, just sort of personal strength that I think shines through, uh, even despite his his young age. Yeah, I play Adam Campbell. Adam is uh, he's a loner, man. <laughs> he is. He has no friends. Um, he's stuck with, or not stuck with. He loves them, but honestly, it kind of sometimes feels like he's stuck down there on Earth uh, with you know his his mom and his sister. And uh, yeah, I mean, really, the biggest thing that's in in his way is. Um, trying to figure out how they're going to survive, you know? The aliens kind of completely wiped out everything that uh, us as human beings are used to, so he has to adjust. Adam is an artist. He is a, kind of a sensitive kid who has watched his world be colonized, and he's trying to make sense of that. So, yeah, what I, what I love about the opening scene is that we really tried to convey this tonal uh, balance of, of really sort of normal, everyday struggles uh, butting right up against kind of these insane alien visuals. Uh, so we start with Adam just painting in his backyard. His sister Natalie is, is gardening in their uh, emptied out suburban pool. So that's something a little bit strange, but everything seems relatively normal until this giant uh, floating real estate development kind of rears into view. And then we spend the rest of the first 10 minutes or so just really quickly acquainting you with the particulars of the world. Uh, we wanted to leave a lot of things unsaid, leave a lot of mysteries for the audience to sort of discover through the rest of the movie. And it was especially important to me that we don't see the alien for quite a while. I wanted people to get very uh, comfortable in the world of this movie before we throw these uh, really bizarre alien visuals at them. Mom looked upset. 
Did something happen while you guys were out job hunting? She's just tired. Did she find anything? She will. Now, plant your vegetables. I'm trying to focus. Now, in that scene, his sister is played by Brooklyn McKenzie, and her character's name is Natalie. And in his next interview, you're going to hear from her, and she's going to talk about how great it was to work with Asante, and how in real life he kind of became like a brother to her. But also in this coming up interview, she also talks about Tiffany Haddish. And then we're going to hear from Tiffany Haddish, and she's going to talk a little bit about the story. And then we're going to hear from the director, just saying... She's a genius in his mind, and he just desperately wanted her to be able to play this role because this role requires comedic elements, but also dramatic ones, which she could do with no problem. And that's a tough thing in Hollywood or any kind of acting, not just being a comedian, but then trying to turn on the dramatic chops and be believable. Because a lot of times the audience out there, we don't believe when an actor tries to go from one side to the other. Obviously, we're getting better at it, but people like her are so skilled, so talented, that she could pull that off. And he talks about that. And then we're going to hear from Tiffany again, talking a little bit more about her character and what she has to do to try to make a better future. And that's the power of being mom, or any kind of parent, I should say. What you try to do to improve your family's life. And what she has to do is marry one of these aliens. It's kind of like one of the deals that the kids had a broker so they wouldn't get sued for faking not being in love and trying to get money from all the aliens. And then we're going to have a clip with Tiffany Haddish. She walks in the door, and then (laughs) this alien thing is sitting like a little slug on the ground, and he pretty much talks to her like a 1950s sitcom, which that's all they pretty much know, where he says, sit down, woman. No woman of mine works. Pretty much go to the kitchen. And obviously... If we all know Tiffany Haddish, she'll have none of it. And that's a good thing. Santi, he definitely feels like a brother to me. (laughs) Um, He's really cool, though. He's also really funny. And I love the way both of them act. Like, I really like how Tiffany um, can really bring herself to her character. And um, I really love the way Asante acts, too. And... Yeah. This movie is taking place in modern day uh, the world, uh, probably like, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And uh, we've been invaded by aliens that have been watching the Earth for a long time. And these aliens, I guess they came in the 50s and they really liked the 50s. And so they invade, figure out how to manufacture our products, take over our economic system and basically um, have us as their workhorses, if you may, or their consumers of their products, and um, which puts a lot of people out of work and um, makes them struggle. And so there's a lot of struggling going on, or either you struggling or you conforming, basically. I've wanted to work with Tiffany since Girls Trip. Uh, I really think she's a comic genius and also has uh, this real kind of real dramatic chops as well. Uh, and I think this was a, a 
really fun role for her uh, that really let her flex those those comic instincts, um, but also did ask her to carry a real dramatic weight. And I think she did a fantastic job with that. Uh, I think our, our actors made this wonderful, convincing family, which is always important in casting. And, uh, and it was a real joy working with all of them. I would describe Beth as a single mom that is trying to figure out how to take care of her kids, like the modern day black woman. <laughs> Modern day woman, period. There's a lot of women out here abandoned by their men and trying to figure out how to take care of them and make sure they eat every day and that they grow up to be good, productive people. So Beth goes ahead and uh, marries a uh so that uh, she can get, you know, Adam and Chloe out of this financial deficit that they have occurred. While they was trying to make money, they ended up getting themselves in trouble. So. So, you know, uh, Beth goes up and talks to Shirley, which is one of the Vov um, lawyers, and um, they work out a deal. She works out a deal to be, you know, married to a three-month-old Vov. And um, she's grossed out by it, but, you know, she does what she has to do for her kids because she's about survival. Sit down, wife. My wife does not need a job. I provide. Except you don't. Your parent pays me. And frankly, they don't pay me nearly enough to deal with this shit. And so, my wife. Hey, the paddle's down. Honey, I'm not done yet. And so, I will take this job because the salary isn't great, but it's enough to scrape by. And even though you might outspend me, you will never outwork me. So, I ask you politely, please move. Sit down, wife. Stay disrespecting me. See, you can't do that. You can't tell Tiffany Haddish to sit down and be the wife. Come on. That that's what's great about this movie. She she just her delivery, her cadence, her comedic timing is just we take it for granted. How about that? That's what I'm trying to get at. We just sometimes when they when they throw out these great dialogue, pop, 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 we think it's easy and we think it's just whatever. No, it's we've taken it for granted, I think. And that's something we have to sometimes stand back and say, no, no, no. These comics, these actors like this have such skill. And up next, we're going to hear from Tif- Tiffany Haddish, and she's going to talk a little bit more about the aliens and the story, about how these people live way on top, and she really wants nothing to do with it, but she kind of has to. And then, this is how this is how it'll play out, guys. Sometimes when these interviews are put together, when I'm when I'm doing the TV version of it, it flows pretty darn good. Not because of my work, it's just because what the studios give me. I just want to clarify that. And I go, do I really want to sit here? In between interview, every interview, and waste your time and say, now here, you know, here's this and here's that, because sometimes they kind of have a nice fluid flow to it once I put them together. So on this one, I'm just gonna list all these people coming up here in the next, next set of interviews, and you'll just let them flow by because it kind of is a, a good mojo. So after Tiffany, we're gonna hear from Kylie Rogers, who plays Chloe, and she talks about what excited her about the script. And then we hear from the director talking about Chloe's character. And then we go back to Kylie and she's talking about her character, a little bit more about that and what she has to do 
and it's kind of complicated and fun, and she really kind of gets into it. And then we go to Asante Black, and he talks about Chloe's character. And then we go to Kylie, and she talks about Adam's character and Chloe's relationship with Adam. Because as things moved on, things start changing a little bit, and he might have more feelings for her than she does for him. And let me tell you, if you've ever grown up, if you're a teenager, you know how that goes. It's always one-sided. I think we could all relate to that story. Well, at least I can. But that's what kind of makes this more honest, is that it's not just roses and, you know, everything's glorious from the get-go. It's one-sided and things of that nature. And then we go back to Asante, and he talks about working with Kylie and how much fun it was. And then we go to Kylie, and then she talks about working with Asante. So for better or worse, that's what's happening. I'm just going to let him rip. Beth don't know nothing about life on the platform. Beth live on Earth. She's staying grounded. But, you know, the the people that conformed or invested in the Vov Enterprises and, you know, um, work for the Vov, they stay on the platform up there. And um, so they they looking crazy. They shaving off their eyebrows. They putting slime on themselves. You know, they, they you know, they living good. They eating real food and Vuv manufactured food, but mostly real stuff. Uh, I think, I don't know, because I'm not there. Beth isn't there. She doesn't really know. She goes there to, um, Beth goes there. I go there to, you know, resolve some issues for my kids. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she's not feeling it because it feels like the 50s. It feels like the 1950s. feel like she in a creepy episode of Mad Men. Honestly, I was really excited about the sci-fi aspect and just the fact that it was written based on a book. I thought it was really interesting. I was When I was younger, I went through like a weird, really random like sci-fi romance novel phase, which I thought was like very specific to the script. So it made me... Like something inside me was like, oh my God, like lit up again about it. So Chloe is a young woman uh, who comes from a family kind of like Adams that has uh, was once very comfortable. They were kind of a middle class family and they've taken a very, very sharp nosedive in their fortunes uh, since the Vov have landed. And because she's uh, kind of suffered a little bit more under this new regime, she's sort of seen how dark the world is more than Adam has yet up to this point. She's a little more battle-hardened. She's a little bit wiser. So I think she genuinely feels some kind of real uh, love toward Adam. They do have a very sort of pure, um, uh, innocent love story for the first act of the movie. Uh, But as time goes on, uh, Chloe has to sort of teach Adam some difficult lessons about, um, about balancing what one wants to do and what one needs to do. I play Chloe Marsh, and I would describe her as a smart, innovative, not aggressive, but like a go-getter, sort of. I feel like she, I feel like she cares a lot more for her family than she lets on. I feel like her family, they're always all kind of fighting, but she wants the best for them, and I think she will do anything to make sure that her and the people she cares about are good and set in life. Ooh, the world that this takes place in is crazy, and these aliens have come, and they hover over us constantly, 24-7. And they've kind of just completely ruined the 
they've ruined everything, and they think they think they've made it better, but they've ruined a lot. And then they've they've also divided the peop the people of planet Earth like entirely, like even more so. They've divided them, and you know the the rich people they can go live up top, and then and the people before that would have had. A respect on Earth now have lost that respect completely and entirely, and the world is just kind of like it looks like there was like a war. Everything's dilapidated and just like down to its bones, basically. In the yeah, it's it's a struggle for sure. Chloe is Adam's classmate. Uh, they eventually, you know, become uh, romantic partners, um, and yeah, they meet at school. They meet at school. Chloe uh, has an idea because she's just as broke as Adam. Uh, she was just living under the bridge, and uh, I don't know. I think Adam was being a little thirsty and invited her to come live at uh, <laughs> at his house with them. So you know, they start filming a relationship. Uh, yeah, start forming a relationship uh, around that. And Chloe has the idea to broadcast their relationship to the aliens. Uh, basically, <laughs> start a TV show about their love uh, so that they can make money and like. Yeah, they start making bank, but uh, at what cost, you know? I would describe Adam to be a very sweet, thoughtful, artistic person. I feel like he feels emotions a lot more than Chloe does, which comes into play a little later, which is a little sad. But he definitely he feels he feels things a lot. I don't know if that makes sense, but he's very empathetic. I think she does genuinely like him. But I think to her and her mindset, because she is less emotional than Adam, I think she sort of puts making money for her family first, which she literally says <laughs> in a scene. But I think she truly does like Adam a lot. But I think at some point she realizes maybe he is into her more than she is into him. And I think that is kind of what like puts her back a little bit, and is like maybe we shouldn't do the broadcast anymore because I think a part of her just feels bad. Kylie's hilarious, and she doesn't even know it. Like she has the funniest little mannerisms, um, and I, <laughs> I always make fun of her for it. But no, she's great. She's great. She's like uh, I don't know. We, we've we've become uh, good friends throughout this process, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, hopefully we get to work on something else one day because she's super cool. But working with Asante is the best. Uh, he's super funny. We're both always sleeping, generally. <laughs> we both sleep a lot in the green room, but he's super fun to work with, super funny, very cool. Now, whenever we see a movie, everybody gets a different meaning or message from a movie. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Asante Black and Tiffany Haddish. And they both talk a little bit more about what this movie has meant to them or what it means or what, it should, what you should open your eyes to. Asante talks a little bit about after the pandemic, we have to try to stand up and just brush ourselves off and just go out to the world. And Tiffany addresses a little bit more about control. If all these people are doing these things for us and we start, we're doing nothing, then they control everything about us. And then we hear from Kylie, Asante, and Tiffany and they talk about working with the director, Corey Finley, and just what he brings to the set and what he brings to them and what really makes him excel as a director. And I just love listening to that kind of stuff because every director is every director's different and every actor is different. They require sometimes different things from different ones. And when they really click and gel, 
it shows on film. Does that gel for them, do you think? That's up to you to decide. But I love hearing how they interpret working with a director. And then we're going to hear from the director, Corey Finley. And he talks about the message of the story of both the book and the movie. And what he hopes it brings to you or us, the viewer, once we go in there and walk out of there and say, man, I think I think we could do this no matter how dark times get. Because in everybody's life, it gets nasty. But every, we just got to do our best to reach out, step up, dig deep. And I know those are cliches. But every once in a while, you could maybe find that movie, find that book. If you're not feeling all 100% in, maybe you could find that something to just help you go through. And that's what he talks about, how this book made him feel during recent dark times around the world. That maybe this little bit of light can help you or somebody just keep moving forward. And then we're going to also hear from Asante, the director and the author. And they talk about what they hope people take away from this movie. I feel like I'm just quoting quoting uh, uh, right out of the screenplay now. But, like, seriously, we've lost a lot, for real, like, um, in these past few years. Um, and, you know, none of us knew that it would be like this. But, uh, you know, I think that we've, we've quickly realized, you know, quicker than it might take a, a lot of different species to adapt. But we quickly, quickly realized, like, we can't just sit in bed all day like a... Like we wanted to when the when the pandemic first started, you know, we kind of got to figure out how to dust off our shoulders and you know get back in the ring. I think this movie means that you know we're so dependent on the uh, making of products, uh, everything being made for us and not by us. And so um, when you give someone that kind of power, well, they can determine how you eat, how you sleep, how you live, and um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of what's going on. Corey's great. I think I, he's one of the nicest directors I've worked with. He's so sweet. Um, uh, yeah, he really knows. I appreciate him because he really knows how to speak to his actors. You know what I mean? He knows how to, he knows how to talk to people in general. He's just a very understanding person. And if you want to change a line or add a line or you want to do something differently. He's always open to like anything you want to try. And I think it's so great to have such an understanding, outspoken director. Corey is uh, very uh, detail oriented, you know, and that's something that I I, I really uh, enjoy because he kind of makes the process of of shooting uh, way less stressful, honestly. Um, Yeah. And honestly, he's just a good guy. He's cool. I love his creativity and I love how smart he is. And um, he allows me to contribute, also reels it in when it needs to be reeled in and lets me fly free when I need to fly free. And I think that's a sign of a very smart director, uh, personally. But he is very, very smart. Like, crazy smart. I think it's because he is Sagittarius like me, though. So uh, this movie really came together during the COVID pandemic in what felt like a pretty hopeless time. And one of the things I really loved about M.T. Anderson's book was in this very still sort of cynical, truthful, dark way, it still offers a hopeful message about what art can do, about the purpose of sort of expressing yourself artistically and the importance of staying true to who you are. Uh, and, And I thought there was something very oddly hopeful and very sort of beautiful within this very dark, cynical world about, um, the notion that that what makes us human fundamentally is something worth defending and worth holding on to in the face of adversity. 
<laughs> they can expect to be talking about it for a while, you know? Because it's, it's, I think it's, it feels like one of those movies that, uh, like I said, nobody's ever seen anything like this before. I hope audiences come away from the movie uh, having enjoyed it, uh, having laughed, maybe having cried, having been provoked. Uh, and I just hope that it starts conversations. I hope that people... Um, I hope that it gives people a new way of talking about some of the strange aspects of our, our contemporary world. Um, and I hope that it gives people some amount of hope in the ability of, of our human race to, uh, to overcome and to hold on to what is central to us. I hope that people find in it a reflection of this moment that we're living through right now and that people can say, oh, this is sort of how I feel right now. I feel like I'm trying to, to turn my life into something that I can sell to my friends that, so that my friends think that I'm leading the perfect life. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Landscape with Invisible Hand. Might be a weird title, but maybe that's okay. And maybe it's sometimes good to step out of our comfort zone and watch something that we had no idea we might want to see. That's the joy of movies, finding that gem, finding that movie that you go, man, I need to share this with people. And it might not be your cup of tea, but then you know. But never be afraid not to try. Because you just don't know. You don't want to regret it, right? It's just a couple hours of your life. But then again, maybe you don't want to. That's what we're all about here at the Cinema Judge. Not saying you have to, or not saying you don't have to. Because we all walk different paths. Because I'm not here to yell at Hollywood, yell at actors, anything like that. There's enough noise out there in the world. I want to provide just an oasis. A place where we could hide like a cocoon and hear about a movie. Because I don't want to be that guy. I want to pretend like nothing's going on in the world. You could come in here anytime and not know when this was made. I mean, you might know when the movie came out. But I want to just keep this our little place. We could come here for a short amount of time and just hear about a movie. That's our goal here. Because we all want to spend our hard-earned money wisely. Because we all want the same thing. An enjoyable movie experience. Now, if you guys have any ways I can improve this show, any way, anything you want me to do, change, let me know. Because I can't grow if I don't know. Stop by cinemajudge at hotmail.com or go to... Instagram, The Cinema Judge. Also, I'm on most podcast platforms, whether it be Apple, Spotify, you name it. That's just, I just, too off the top of my head. I'm on most of them. I would love your information. Let me know so I can grow. I'm also on Threads, Cinema Judge on YouTube. If you like going to YouTube, go there. Not all of my podcasts are on there, but a lot of the most recent ones are. But if you feel more comfortable going to YouTube, just look up Cinema Judge. I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Tumblr, Hive, Mastodon. I'm on TikTok, so if you want to go to TikTok, I have some stuff there too. And if you ever explore the metaverse, I'm there too. Look up Cinema Judge. Or one of the couple worlds I go to are Horizon Worlds, Ace of Clubs, Laser Tag. And I just, I'm just out there shooting it up, having a blast. It's, it's, it's made by Mikey Ace. You'll see what I'm saying. He's made a lot of worlds, so he has a lot of different worlds, and they're all really fun. But I'm usually there late at night. So if you want to chat, talk movies or TV shows or whatever you want to do, feel free. I love talking movies with anybody who walks up to me because it's almost like talking with you in real life because we are in real life. It's a, it's a hoot. Now, some of you might be wondering, 
Can I watch this show? Why, yes, you can. If you go to bit.ly slash cinemajudge, bit.ly slash cinemajudge. A lot of these shows are there. Not every show, because sometimes they, they only last several months on there, then they have to rotate because of the size of all the files. But a lot of these shows are there. So feel free to go there and watch this, because then you get to see the interviews, scenes, and all that fun stuff. And you won't see or hear me at all. It's all film stuff. It's just interviews, scenes, voila, in the trailer. No matter how you listen to the show, I am so grateful. I love hearing how many of you listen to the show, whether you send me an email or we meet up somewhere, whether it's you listen to this three months from now or two days from now, or maybe you just use this on long drives, sitting at work, sitting at home, whatever you're doing. I am so grateful because you could be doing anything in the world. I feel we want to talk movies and you want to learn about movies. And that's all I care about. I don't care about anything else. Here's the information. You make up your own mind. And that's just, I just love our little community that we have. And if you're new to the show, hey, that's great. Welcome aboard. I hope you tell your friends. Hope you come back. To all you loyal ones who come here every solitary episode, whether it's a blockbuster, independent film, or just a TV show, whatever it is, there's a handful of you that are always consistent. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to me. So wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. Because I always hope my voice finds you well. To all my listeners from the United States, United Kingdom, Germany, you guys, Germany and the United Kingdom, you keep sharing the show, listen to it, whatever you're doing. Thank you for doing that. It means the world to me. So thanks to all you people. Also with Canada, Brazil, Netherlands, Uzbekistan. Incredible how you guys take time out of your life and share this show. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anston underline Tamside. Is that right, guys? Several listeners from there. Or Ashton underline. I don't want to ever disrespect where you're, where you're from. So thank you. Brampton, Ontario. Stockton on Tees. Stockton on Tees. Is that right, guys? Parker, Colorado. Savage, Minnesota. Campania, Sol Palo. Lakeville, Minnesota. Freeburg, M. baden Wurzburg. Again, I butchered that bad boy all the way across town. Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Amsterdam, New Holland. Frankfurt AM, Maine Hess. You guys are always loyal. Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Same with you. Schoen Waddle. Oh, no. Show Walden. Oh, man. Show Walden Brandberg. Man, thank you so much. And is that Buckara or Bukara? To you, and that's just to name a few, because as you see, I'm, I can't pronounce so many of these, but I mean it. Every time I see somebody listen to a show, whatever it is, I do do a happy dance. And you might think, yeah, whatever, wise guy. Oh, no, I do. Because I'm like, somebody out there today listened, yes, or whatever it is. I look, and you did. And I hope you got something out of it. That's, that's what all I care about, is that you like what you heard, and you'll come back for more. That's our jam here. But now it's time for the bourbon shout-out. This week, it goes out to Molly, Lyle, Caitlin, and Paul. I had so much time hanging out with you guys these last couple days. Went to the State Fair, went to the Minnesota Zoo, 
just walked and walked and walked and ate like animals. So you guys, I had the greatest time. So truly, thanks for hanging out with me. I personally had a blast. So to you all, cheers. But now it's time for the music section. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know when I'm making the TV version of this, which becomes this podcast, I'm cranking all tunes. That's my happy place. Movies and music. When I can combine them into a lovely sandwich, mom, I'm a happy, happy boy. And that's what I do. So I'm jamming the tunes or, or just mellowing out whatever mood I'm in that particular moment when I'm editing. And that's my jam. It's I might be middle of the night in the basement here, cranking tunes, and I'm just living the dream. But this week, when I was working on this one, some friends of mine recently went to Ed Sheeran's concert. And I've never listened to his music. And I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I just I just never listened to it. Because I suffer from that fear syndrome of stepping out of your bubble and then you feel like you might waste your time. Because most stuff when I'm editing, I don't want to listen to something new. Because if I do, I'm sitting here listening to the song too much and I can't focus on the edit. That's why I stay in my wheelhouse in case you always say, why is he always repeating the same stuff he listens to? Because it's autopilot. I'm cranking the tunes in my head and I don't have to think about it. But I know every song that's coming up. But every once in a while, I take that leap off the bridge. I'm like, well, why not? Because one of my best friends in the world went to the concert, and a couple co-workers went to it. And they were, just, they were just saying, man, the guy's talented. I said, all right, all right, all right. I'll give it a whirl. So I just dove in. So I first listened to, and I, am I saying this album right? Is it Subtraction or Subtract? Whatever it is, I threw down that one. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy is gold. What incredible talent, songwriting, everything, the honesty, the lyrics. I was honestly blown away. I didn't think I would be. Kind of like several months ago when I, for the first time ever, listened to Taylor Swift. I didn't think anything of it because I thought, oh yeah, she's you know probably talented. But boom, again, blew my mind. It was amazing. Same thing with him. I was like, oh wow. And then I moved on to another album. It's like, okay, maybe it was just one lucky album. And then I moved on to... Is it divided or division? Whatever it is, the one that looks like a divided symbol. Again, loved it. This guy, just incredible. So every time I've heard something about him, it doesn't go, it's not, he's not being overrated in my mind. Cause like I said, I'd never listened to him. Not because I had any bias against him or anything. I just didn't want to take the chance. I took the chance, took people's advice. Voila, great stuff. So that's what I was listening to when I was making the TV version of this, which becomes this podcast. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 